Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and the uh, 27th verse. It's appointed for men, speaking of women too, to die once. But after this, the judgment. It's appointed for us to die once. But after this, the judgment. Now, we've been on the theme of revival, as many of you know, for the last many weeks. And uh, remember the message of revival, when you get right down to it, is the preaching of God's judgment along with preaching His goodness. And the results of revival are repentance and joy. Repentance and joy. Now, this will be the last message in this revival series on God's judgment. Of course, this Wednesday evening is the Ladies' Higher Standard meeting. And then next Sunday, we'll conclude the series of messages on revival. And uh, uh, so that's, uh, we'll conclude this up next Sunday on the theme of revival. And we'll move on from there as the Spirit of God directs. Now, last Sunday, last Sunday, if you'll recall, we looked at God's greatest judgment. And remember, that was in the past at the cross of Calvary where Jesus died for us. And in God's greatest judgment, we also observed His greatest goodness. His greatest goodness is Jesus Christ took our place on that cross and bore the wrath of God for us. And now today, we will look at two of God's greatest judgments of the future. Two of God's greatest judgments of the future. Last week we looked at the cross which is in the past. Today we'll look at two of God's greatest judgments which lay out ahead of us in the future, you see. And actually these two judgments, one pertains to the sinner or we could say to the wicked And the other pertains to the Christian. Now remember, there's only two kinds of people on the earth. The saved and the lost. The sinner and the Christian. I mean, when you boil it all down, you know, yes, male and female, but actually when you look at it spiritually, which is really more important, you're either saved or you're lost. You're either a sinner or you're a Christian. Now, to become a sinner, you just need to be born and do nothing. But to become a Christian, at some point you repent of your sins, which is a condition of the heart, a change of heart. You understand that. And you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, at which point... The Spirit of God moves you from the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of the devil over into the kingdom of light or into the kingdom of of God. And you become a Christian. Now these two judgments that lay on out ahead of us, the one for the sinner is called the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. The one for the Christian is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. So let's look at these two here today. We'll first look at the judgment for the sinner, the great white throne judgment. But notice again Hebrews 9, 27. 
Notice again Hebrews 9, 27. We'll look at the great white throne judgment first and then we'll look at the judgment seat of Christ for Christians. But notice again Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed for men, women, you know, to die once, but after this, the judgment. The judgment. What happens to a sinner when they die? What happens to a sinner when they die? You know, the Bible says in the book of James that the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. What happens to a sinner when they die? The Bible says it's appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment. What happens to a sinner when they die? Well, their spirit leaves their body, which causes their body to be lifeless or to die. But you have to understand that the spirit, once the spirit leaves the body, the spirit continues to live. It does not cease to exist. You need to realize that. And actually, you need to realize that when a Christian dies, when a sinner dies, the same thing happens. Their spirit leaves their body. Is that right? I mean, at that moment of death, for both the sinner and the Christian, the spirit leaves the body. It's just what happens after that depends on whether you're a Christian or you're not. Now, first let's consider what happens to a sinner when they die. Their spirit leaves their body. And their body is buried or cremated or whatever. But the spirit leaves the body. And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, just listen to this. You could look it up in Isaiah, the 14th chapter, later this afternoon. But the Bible says, hell from beneath. This is talking about a sinner. Hell from beneath is excited about you. To meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. Uh, I remember Brother Hagin made the statement that, that whether you believe his experience or not, the Bible is still true. I believe his experience. He, 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 he died when he was on, on a, a bed of affliction and his spirit left his body. And I, I tracked the man's ministry. 60 plus years of ministry had a great track record, so I have no reason to believe that he would lie. And he said his spirit leaped out of his body. Just like you dive off, uh, off the diving board into a swimming pool. Just leaped out of his body. And he wasn't saved at the time. And he said he went down, 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 down through like a great shaft. And the further down he went, the darker it got. And he said when he came down and got to the bottom of that shaft, there was like a creature there that took him by the hand or by the arm. And, and he said he was captivated by the, the flames. He saw a gate in the flames of hell. And, uh, and that creature took him by the arm and was going to usher him in to hell. See, hell from beneath is excited about you, the Bible says, to meet, meet you at your coming. I believe that when a sinner dies, their spirit comes out of their body and they go down, 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 down to, meet, to be met by a demon, if you will, or demons. And then to be ushered in to hell. In Brother Hagin's story, he said about that, whether you believe it or not, the Bible's still true. Uh, you know there's a hell whether Brother Hagin said so or not. Because the Bible said so. You understand that? 
But I'm just relating his experience. He said that before he was ushered in, the, uh, uh, a voice spoke and the whole place shook. And then he came back up. He came back up and back up through that shaft, you know. Back up in, and then he said his spirit leaped back in his, in his body and so on. And then in the process of time he got saved. What happens to a sinner when they die? Their spirit comes out of their body and goes down, 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 down into that outer darkness, down into the, to the, to the gates of hell and then met by a demon or demons and ushered in to hell. Now notice, we can get more on this in Luke the 16th chapter and the 19th verse. Let's turn there. Jesus gave a story, a true story, not a parable. Because he used specific names. Whenever Jesus used specific names, it was not a parable, it was a true story. Look at this, Luke the 16th chapter and the 19th verse. will give us more on this. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that, now notice this, it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, just so you know, back this is in the days of the Old Testament. Aren't you glad we live in the days of the New Testament? But back in that day, before Jesus had died on the cross and risen again, when, uh, when people died, you see, how did you get saved in the Old Testament? By looking forward to the, to the cross. How did people get saved now in the, in the New Testament? By looking back to the cross. But you know, it's always been Jesus. Is that right? Ever, even from the Garden of Eden, right after man sinned, God came in there and, and uh, he, uh, he, he spoke of the seed of the woman that would come and bruise the head, to crush the head of the serpent, you know, which was Jesus. Jesus has been preached all the way through from the, from the book of Genesis on down to the present hour. Can, can you say amen? amen? But you see here that, uh, notice right here, it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. See, back in the Old Testament, when, when the saved would die, those looking forward to the Messiah, to Jesus, their spirits would leave their bodies, all right, when they die, only they'd go down into the... See, now as Christians, when we die, we go up. But back there, aren't you glad we go up? But back there, they went down into the inner workings of the earth, and there was a place down there known as Abraham's bosom. Sometimes it was called paradise. Remember Jesus told the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Remember, you remember that? And, and so that's where the Old Testament saints went. They'd go into Abraham's bosom. And, and as we'll see, it was a place of comfort. And that's where this beggar Lazarus went. Now notice again, right here in... Uh, Verse, let's, let, let, let's read verse 22 again. The beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now remember that. Now this beggar was a saved man, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. See, that's what happens to a Christian now when we die. Uh, you see, when a sinner dies, their spirit leaves their body and goes down to be met by demons. When a sinner dies, you know, when a Christian dies, I believe the angels get us no more than we step out of our bodies. Amen. Amen. 
Now back in the Old Testament, they went, you see, he was carried down into the inner workings of the earth into paradise or Abraham's bosom, but it was a place of comfort. You see, Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, emptied that place out, led captivity captive, and led all those spirits up to heaven. Praise God. And now when a Christian dies, that's where we go. We step out of our bodies, angels get us and take us to heaven, you see. But back then, they went into Abraham's, the saved went into Abraham's bosom, awaiting the resurrection of Christ. But now notice here, the Bible says in verse 22, the rich man also died. Now notice he was buried. Now it's important that you see that. He was buried, his body was buried. Do you see that? But then verse 23 says, and being in torments in Hades or in hell. Now wait a minute, his body was buried. So what, what, what's in Hades in torments? His spirit. The real you is not your body. The real you is the spirit being. That body's just an earth suit. You need that here in this earth to operate. When you leave, when you leave your body, when your spirit leaves your body, your body's dead. Goes in the grave or whatever, you see. But your spirit goes on. And, and you see right here, this rich man died. His body was buried, but his spirit went to hell, being in torments. Being in torments in Hades. Now notice in hell or Hades. Now, now being in torments, you need to realize that, that hell is a real place and it's a place of torment. He was in hell in torment. And notice he lifted up his eyes. Well, wait a minute, his body's been buried, but he lifted up his eyes. Will we be able to see once, we're, once, once our spirit leaves our bodies? Yes. And he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Are we going to recognize people and know people when we die? Yes. You see, this, this guy, this rich man knew Lazarus. He lived on the earth with Lazarus. But he also knew Abraham. He didn't live on the earth with Abraham. Abraham had died well before. But he recognized and knew who Abraham was. And he cried, verse 24, he cried and said, Will we be able to cry and to speak? Yes. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. Are we going to have a finger? Well, sure. Our bodies, our spirits fit inside our bodies just like our hand would fit inside a glove. That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my... Does our spirit man have a tongue? Yes, for I am tormented in this flame. Somebody said one time they were looking forward to going to hell with all their drinking buddies so they could drink in hell. No, there's no water there. There's no alcohol there. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of loneliness. It's a place of flame There's one, and fire. The one verse says, uh, 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 where their worm dieth not. I believe there's worms in hell. Do you know it was not the will of God that anybody go to hell? Do you know everybody that's in hell right now is out of the will of God? And they'll be out of the will of God for eternity. You know the worst torment of hell, I'm convinced, besides the fire, the flame, the loneliness, the darkness and all that, I think the worst torment is knowing that you're there and you didn't have to go. 
He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. Now he's, now he's what? He is what? He's comforted. See, he's over in Abraham's bosom or paradise. He's comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Are there people in hell trying to get out? Yeah, they can't, can they? No. And were there people in Abraham's bosom trying to get across in great mercy to help those people? Yeah, but they couldn't get across to help them. Hell's eternal, dear friends. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, send Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Notice what happens to people. First thing happens when they hit hell uh, uh, is they want to become a soul winner. Did this rich man want to be a soul winner? It's too late. He's in hell. It's too late. Abraham said to him, now watch this. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Who did Moses and the prophets preach? Jesus. See, that rich man was in hell not because he was rich. That didn't have a thing in the world to do with it. He went to hell, I believe, because I think what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that his riches distracted him from the more important things, Moses and the prophets, which preach Jesus, you see. See, Lazarus didn't have much, but you know what? You know, all he had was he he didn't even have the crumbs, but he had Jesus. Amen. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they'll repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. You know, I've learned that firsthand. I tell you what, there could be 50 people standing here right now with blinded eyes and I could go down under the power of God and, and, and each one of them could get their sight back and, and, and if there was the most ranked sinner here, that wouldn't cause them to get saved. Did you hear me? We read on Wednesday night that when God judged Korah that the, the earth opened up at the words of Moses and swallowed Korah swallowed him up and the very next day the people still didn't respect Moses as they should I had a lady tell me one time sinner lady that came to this church met me at the door afterward and said pastor if you snap your fingers and lightning bolt hits in the parking lot I'll believe and I said no you won't I said you'll reason that away just like you've reasoned everything else away you'll just say it was coincidence I've come to see that, I mean, Jesus preached under the greatest ministry that this world has ever seen. The power of God in manifestation. People getting raised from the dead. Blind eyes opening up. He went into Capernaum and performed some of the greatest miracles and signs and wonders that this world has ever seen or will ever know. And the Bible said that the bulk of those people in that city did not believe. They did not repent. And it was so bad that Jesus decided he'd never go back there. And God pronounced a curse on the place. 
My God, I don't need signs. I don't need wonders. I don't need healing. Thank God for it. I believe in it all. But I don't need any of that. I believe because the Bible said so. Amen. I don't need some catastrophic thing to happen for me to come to church and honor God. I don't need them to run planes into the World Trade Center on 9-11 to prompt me to serve God. I'm going to serve God anyway. If you need a tragedy to take place for you to serve God, to come to the house of God and serve God, once you forget that tragedy, you'll stop serving God. Just like a whole bunch of people did on 9, 9 12, 13, 14, 15, and by 9, 16, they've stopped. They've stopped. It shouldn't take planes going into the World Trade Center for the congressmen and the senators to get together and sing God bless America. We ought to do it because the Bible says there's a God in heaven and He has a son named Jesus. Amen. Did you hear me? If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Why this man go to hell? Because he was rich? No. No, if you serve God, God will bless you. It has nothing to do with, 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 with the guy being rich. He went to hell because I believe the riches distracted him from the most important thing. And the Bible tells us again and again that riches will, and, and money and all the things will distract us from the most important thing. And that's Jesus. You understand? So now when a sinner dies, their spirit leaves their body. They go down, 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 and they're met by demons, I believe, and they're ushered through the gates of hell into hell, and they stay there tormented in the flame. How long do they stay there? Well, uh, they, they do in one sense, but you need to really think about this. Do you know that hell is just a temporary hope? Now listen to me. I didn't say hell was temporary. I said the hell that we just read about there is a temporary holding place where people go awaiting a worse thing. Which we're going to read about. But they'll stay there when somebody dies without Jesus and they go to hell. They, they, they stay, their spirit stays incarcerated there. It's kind of like the, like when somebody gets arrested, you know, a criminal, they go to the, they go to the local jail cell awaiting the federal penitentiary. Is that right? And when somebody dies without Jesus, their spirit goes to hell and, 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 and they're held there awaiting the great white throne judgment. And watch what happens here now in Revelation, the 20th chapter and the 11th verse. Remember, hell is eternal. Say, hell is eternal. Yeah, yeah it's eternal. Now look at this. Revelation 20, 11. The people that die and go to hell, people without Jesus, they die. Their spirit leaves their body. They go to hell. They stay incarcerated in what we know as Hades or hell. Until the end of the millennial reign of Christ. Remember there's a rapture going to take place soon where Jesus comes and catches the Christians up to heaven. Seven year tribulation period. And then Jesus comes back in the second coming and sets up a millennial kingdom. And he'll reign on the earth a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, just think about being in hell one day. That'd be bad enough, wouldn't it? Think about this. People that, that this, think about this rich man has been in hell a long time, hasn't he? And, he, and he's got to wait now still till the, watch this, till the rapture and then seven more years and then a thousand years more after that, just waiting for a worse place. 
Watch this. Revelation 20, 11. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. We'll see in a moment. These are the sinners that are standing before God. This is known as the great white throne judgment. I I, I need to give you some comfort here. Christians do not go to this judgment. This is for all the people who, who, who rejected Jesus Christ in both the Old Testament and the New. They rejected Him, or I'll say this, listen carefully, or neglected Him. I've said this for years, to neglect is equal to reject. And I, verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead, this is the lost dead, were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. You see that? They would not accept the work of Jesus at Calvary. They would not accept his death, burial, and resurrection. So now they've got to be judged and stand before God based on their own works. That's a dangerous place to be. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. How many of you know God's a good record keeper? Now watch this. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hate. Now watch this. Death and what? And Hades. Or we could say hell delivered up the dead who were in them. See all the people who have been, who are in hell right now, in Hades or hell right now, there's, I, I say it this way, their spirits are going to be ejected up out from that place to stand before Almighty God at this great white throne judgment. They're going to be judged according to their own works and they're going to be found wanting, you see. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each one according to his works. Then watch as death and Hades or hell was cast into where? Into where? And that's a worse place. So everybody who is in hell now, at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, they get a brief respite to stand before God They've rejected Jesus. They've rejected or neglected Him. So now they're judged based on their own works. They come up short and they're cast into the lake of fire, which is a worse place than hell, in my opinion. And they'll be tormented there day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever without end. And remember, and don't ever forget this, everybody who goes to hell, everybody who goes to the lake of fire is out of the will of God. The Bible says that these places were not created for you and me. They were created for the devil and his angels. But when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, that was the punishment then for all those who would reject Jesus to go there as well. The Bible says... The death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone, see, watch this, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get in the book of life? By, by repenting of your sins and calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get in that book. See, these people were not found written in the book. Well, that's for sinners. That's for sinners. Aren't you glad we don't have to be sinners? Aren't you glad we can be saved? So let's now conclude this message by talking about what lay ahead for us. Didn't the Bible say that if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged? And that's talking about here in this, in this time. But there is a future judgment 
for all Christians. Now, it's not this great white throne judgment. That's for sinners. But yet you and I as Christians are going to have to stand before Jesus and give account for the things we've done in our life. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Notice this, if you would. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Now, he's speaking. Paul, by the Spirit of God, is speaking to Christians. And he says, we must all... Well, that includes you and me, doesn't it? We must all... Talking to Christians now, not to sinners, but to Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether, whether what? Good or bad. So, as a Christian, if we do something bad, do we lose our salvation? No. It just means that if we don't judge ourselves in the here and now and repent of that thing, we're going to have to give account of it to Jesus at the judgment seat. That's why I like to live prayed up and repented up. How about you? See, if we'll judge ourselves in the here and the now, I believe that you know when we do bad, when we get to that judgment seat, Jesus won't even remember what bad we did. Why? Is it because he's forgetful? No. I taught a message on this not long ago. He chooses to forget when we repent because of the blood that he shed at Calvary. Amen? Whether good or bad, we must give account. Now watch this. Look at verse 11. Because you see, at the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be a great time of reward, as we'll see in the next scripture. But it's also going to be a terrifying event. Look at verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord... We persuade men. He's talking here uh, to Christians now. That judgment seat of Christ will be a time of great reward, but it will also be a time where we'll have to answer for the bad things we've done, the things we didn't repent of, the things that we continue to do that we shouldn't have done. We're going to have to give an account of these things to Jesus one day. And, and we're going to have to, I believe, motives. He's going to look at motives. Why did we do what we did when we did it? And he's going to judge us for those bad things and good things and it's going to be a terrifying event it'll be a time of great blessing but a time of great terror now let's look at a little bit more about this judgment seat of christ in first corinthians 3 11 let's go over there first corinthians 3 11 first corinthians 3 11 I don't care how, you know, how terrifying it's going to be at the judgment seat. You must, must agree with me that wouldn't you rather be at the judgment seat of Christ than have to go to the great white throne judgment? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 3.11. For, now, now watch this. He's talking now about the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to give us more detail now on it. We read in that last verse, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be judged as Christians for the good and bad that we've done. And then here in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, he's the foundation. He's the reason we get to go to heaven. Is that right? It's not because of our good works. It's because of what he did and our faith in him, you see. Now, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation that we build upon, you see. Now, look at verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation... Now, notice, once you're saved, notice what you can do 
to build. You can either build with gold, silver, or precious stones, or you can build with what? Wood, hay, or straw. So you can either be doing good things, which gold, silver, precious stones, or you can be doing bad things, disobeying God, being loose in your life, being lackadaisical in your service to God, and that would be wood, hay, and straw. Verse 13, each one, talking to Christians now, each one's work will become clear. Work. See, this isn't the work. You can't work your way to heaven. Is that right? See, those people, some of those people at the great white throne, see, they tried to work their way to heaven. And they trusted in their own works instead of the works of Jesus. You see, but these people here are Christians, talking about people who have trusted in Jesus, but now they're building on that foundation. And so the Bible says in verse 13, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. What day? The day of the judgment seat of Christ. You see, the Bible said, what do we start out with today? It's appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. When a Christian dies, our spirit leaves our bodies and then the angels take us i'm convinced of it and they take us up see in the old testament which way did they go Uh, a saved person went down into abraham's bosom or paradise but when jesus was raised from the dead the bible says in the book of ephesians he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men and what that means is is when he was raised from the dead he shut down abraham's bosom you see and took all those spirits with him up to heaven you see praise god and now since jesus has been raised from the dead when we as Christians die our spirit leaves our body the, uh, the, the angels get us praise God and they take us north to the far sides of the north glory to God glory to God the Bible says to be absent to a Christian to be absent from the body is to be what present with the Lord Paul said I'm in a strait betwixt two having a, des- a desire to depart and be with Christ which is what which is far say far better Amen. glory to God but you see when a Christian dies, spirit leaves their body, angels take them up, up, up to the far sides of the north. But I'm convinced before we get to go in, I'm convinced of this, and experience the wonders of heaven, I believe it's appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. See, for a sinner, the judgment is that place of hell and then later the lake of fire. For the Christian, we go up. But I believe before we go in, we have to stand before Jesus and give an account. It's appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. And then each one, verse 13, each one's work will become clear for that day of the judgment seat will declare it because it will be revealed by what? By what? By fire. Now, not the fires of hell, but the fire of God. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. All motives, dear friends. Why did you do what you did when you did it? Why did you do what you did when you did it? Did you do something at church just to be seen of men? Or did you do it to be a blessing to Jesus? These are going to come into light at the judgment seat. And the fire... The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Look at verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it, on that foundation, if anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a what? A reward. We'll talk about those rewards in just a moment. If anyone's work is burned, 
he will what? Suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so, yet so as through fire. Uh, uh, even, you know what? Even if you go to the judgment seat and, and the fire of God burns all, let's say all your works were bad and they all got burned and, and, and there was no reward, and, and, you know, and, and you got to walk through the gates of heaven, that still beats going to hell, doesn't it? But why would you want to have to go and, 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 and not have rewards and crowns to lay at Jesus' feet? I mean, I want to be able to... We see in the book of Revelation where people that receive the reward, those crowns of reward, they laid them at His feet and worshipped Him. Wouldn't you like to have some crowns not to boast in, but to lay at His feet and worship? But even if you didn't get any reward, you just got into heaven, that beats going to hell, doesn't it? Notice verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. What kind of rewards are handed out? Now you can look all these scriptures up. I have in days gone by, but for the sake of time, I'll just list them real fast. There's the crown of life. The crown of life, which is for those who endure persecution, hardness, and even death as a Christian. There's the victor's crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. There's the crown of righteousness for those who love His appearing. For those who are looking for Jesus to come in the rapture. There's the crown of rejoicing, which is the soul winner's crown. And I can show you from Scripture that every time you win somebody or lead somebody to the Lord Jesus, there's another jewel that's put in your crown. Praise God. So we ought to be soul winners. The Bible says, He that wins souls is wise. There's a special crown for soul winners. And then there's a crown of glory, which is a crown reserved for ministers. A crown reserved for ministers. A crown reserved for ministers. So when you endure persecution, hardness, and even some have died for the cause of Christ, there's a crown of life. When you resist temptation and keep your flesh under control, there's a victor's crown. If you're just looking and excited about Jesus coming back, there's a crown of righteousness. You win people to Christ, there's a crown of rejoicing. And then there's a crown of glory reserved for ministers. Other things I believe Jesus looks at at the judgment seat of Christ is He's going to look at how faithful you were. How many of you want Him to say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. This is also a time, I believe by which we are granted position of authority during the millennial reign of Jesus upon the earth. How many of you know when Jesus reigns that thousand years on the earth, according to the Bible, we're going to reign with Him as His administrators? And your faithfulness now in your life here upon the earth is going to determine your assignment in eternity, in the millennial reign and then I believe in eternity. That's why it's important to be faithful now. You might think that that faith, that thing you're doing, that you're faithful in is just a little bitty thing. But Jesus said, if you're not faithful in that which is little, you'll not be faithful in that which is much. I tell you what, just being faithful, I, I tell you what, I'm convinced that there's some, there's, some church, there's some church people that they volunteered their time to clean the church and they were just faithful in what seemed like a little thing, just empty in waste baskets, you know, and that sort of stuff. And, and they thought, 
thought it was a little thing, but they were faithful in it and faithful in it. And one day, Jesus will say to them, "Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I'm going to make you the administrator over a whole city. Glory to God. Or over ten cities. Wouldn't that be something? See, we need to keep our eyes on that. And our faithfulness in the here and now determines our assignment in in, in the hereafter. Can you say amen? Amen. I also believe Jesus is going to look at the way we treated others. He said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. He's going to look at how we treated others. I know one thing, whenever I taught school, I always treated the janitors better than I treated the principal and the superintendent. And I've made that a, a practice in my life. Whenever I get invo- involved in something, I go and I find the, the least most person and I'm better to them than I am the president. Because that's the way Jesus looks at things, you see. And the way you treat people, He's going to judge this at the judgment seat of Christ. I also believe the way we treat our spiritual leaders and the way they treat us is going to come up at the judgment seat of Christ. Not much is said about this one, but you can see it in the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter. You can look it up later and and read it. I'd encourage you to read that whole chapter, but you can see it very clearly in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, that that, that we're going to, I'm going to have to stand before Jesus, not only for me, the person, but I also get to stand before him as a minister, and I'm going to be judged as to how I treated you people and, and, and others as I was a minister, you see. And there's a special crown for that. And if, I'm done, if I've done faith, a good, faithful job and I've treated people lovingly and kind and all of that, then I believe I'll get reward for that. If I've been unscrupulous and so on and so forth, that's going to cost me, you see. And also, the way you treat spiritual leaders, that's going to come up. And the Lord's going to ask you, did you talk bad about... Your, your pastor, did you talk bad about your spiritual leader? And you're going to have to give account. I tell you, we ought to look at this. Hebrews 13, 17 in the Amplified Bible. Look at this. Hebrews 13, 17, Amplified Bible. Watch this. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them. Now, I, and I always say it this way. Don't submit to me as a man. Submit to the Word of God I teach. I think everybody can live with that. Obey your spiritual leaders, submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare. As men who are, it could be women too, but as men who will have to render what? Render what? Render what? An account of their trust. See, I'm going to have to give account to Jesus on how I treated you as your pastor. And then, he's, and then he talks to you and he says, he says, do your part too. Let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. Did you know you can make my job easy, easier or more difficult? You know, I've already been around pastors and they said, you know, that group of people that, I mean, they just, and, and these were good men. And, and these were good men and they, and they loved God, they loved the people, but the people were just being so unscrupulous toward them and bad-mouthing them and going on just, and they just, they would just go, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to deal with those people anymore. I'm trying to help them and the more I help them, the more unscrupulous they are toward me. That's going to come up at the judgment seat. 
Do your part too. He's talking to you now. Let them do this with gladness. See, I've got a people around here. I, you guys are a blessing. I love you all. Now, I've had my share of people that have made me sigh and groan over the years. But by and large, we've had a good people here, praise God. Do your part too. Let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. For that would not be profitable to you either. See, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to have to give an account to how you dealt with your spiritual leaders. So this is a very sobering message today to the sinner, to the lost person. There's nothing good that waits for you. But you don't have to stay lost. You can get saved just that quick. But even if you get saved, then we need to realize that there is a judgment coming for all of us known as the judgment seat of Christ. Dear friends, we ought to keep this in front of us every day that there is a judgment seat of Christ. And what did I say a while ago? Live prayed up and live repented up. Do everything you know to walk right. Now, are you going to win your salvation with your good works? No. But you will win reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Did you know you can win reward? You can also lose reward. Uh, look at... I, 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 I'm a little bit... I, I don't want to run over here, but look at Second John 8. I just want you to see this. Look at this. Did you know you can win reward, but you can also lose reward? Reward. Look at 2 John 8. There's only one chapter there. 2 John 1 8. Look at this. Look to yourselves that we do not what? That we do not what? That we do not what? Lose those things which we what? Worked for. Now, is that talking about salvation? No, that's talking about what? Reward. That we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a what? A full reward. How many of you would like to get a full reward? See, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, the Bible talks about and cautions about not losing crowns. You can obtain them, you can lose them. And then we'll close, look at Revelation 22, 12. We'll close right here. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his what? According to his work. See, I believe if we die before the rapture of the church, then we'll have to go to the judgment seat at that time, be judged, and then go into heaven. Yeah, do you ever think of that scripture, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? That's, that's right. That's what the Bible says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I believe, in that judgment seat. And then we go on into heaven. Praise God. But what if the rapture takes place and we're still alive here on the earth? Then I believe, and I think it's clear, that, that when the rapture takes place, there'll be a, uh, the judgment seat for all those people, which could include you and me, because you know He could come in our lifetime. Is that right? And then I believe there'll be a judgment seat. Why does that judgment seat really have to take place before we go into heaven? Because no sin can get into heaven. And if there's sin in a Christian's life, that has to be dealt with before we can go through the pearl, gates of pearl. Is that right? Did you get anything out of this today? Well, let's live, what did I say? Prayed up and repented up. Amen? Stand with, with me if you would. I, I don't need the uh, music today. Just stand with me in the presence of a holy God. Uh, I just want to say this to you. If there be any people here today that you've never accepted Jesus, you've never repented of your sins and received Jesus into your heart, You need to do that before you leave here today. There'll be some men and women standing up here in the front. 
If you're here today and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, remember I said it a moment ago, you've got nothing good to look forward to. But God doesn't want it to be that way. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart or you don't really know where you stand with God, when I dismiss this service in just a few minutes, just make your way up to the front, talk to either this nice lady here, this nice fella here, and, and just say, hey, I need, to, I need to get right with God. And they'll pray with you and they'll lead you into a saving relationship with Jesus.